With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. John! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't. What is hot route? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Down! we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> it's time for the Soonerscoop.com postgame show presented by Eskridge Lexus in Oklahoma City. Eskridge Lexus is the official travel partner of Soonerscoop.com podcasts. Now, here's your road crew, Carrie, Eddie, and Bob, wrapping up all the action and reaction from this week's game. Welcome back. It is the uh, post-game podcast, the Eskridge Lexus post-game podcast, and uh, the lineup is a little different. It always has been since Zoom started. Uh, uh, Bob is always working and not having a chance to talk to us uh, as much on the on the post-game podcast. Uh, Eddie is having some technical difficulties and some life difficulties, I think, and uh, he is uh, on the road. So we welcome. I'm kind of glad. I'm kind of glad we're doing this. It's it's the boss uh, pod, the boss pod. We we <laughs> we haven't had one of these in a very long time. Uh, Josh McQuistion, uh, our uh, recruiting publisher, uh, is with us, and I I always kind of feel bad that you're not more involved because like that intro is made for Josh McQuistion. Like I can just see you. Uh, taking, you know, touch football way too seriously and talking about hot routes uh, when, when nobody else knows what you're talking about. There is some absolute truth in that. There also, I'm the asshole movie quote guy that's like constantly like, oh, that's still funny. And I'm like, that movie's 15 years old. That's not funny anymore. But I never realize it until I've said it. And so I've, I've kind of shot my shot. All right, so another OU football game. They win it. Uh, t- wait a minute. Hold on. Just a sec. They didn't win. <laughs> what is happening? OU was beaten today by Baylor. Uh, and the first thing that we have to get into is Josh's obsession today during the game with people who would have the gall, the unmitigated gall, uh, the temerity, as Stephen A. Smith would say. To question that maybe bringing Spencer Rattler into the game wasn't such a bad thing, and my point was this: it was it was not like, okay, uh, Caleb Williams isn't playing well, so let's try something. It was strictly Caleb Williams does not look right. Like in I, I you were at home watching the game, like I was. You saw his hand get stepped on. Uh, I guess it's because I'm a former catcher and I have had my hand stepped on and had to go to the emergency room get stitches and all that stuff. Like, it's not when when someone puts a metal, you know, spike into your hand like that, that thing swells up, and you can't you can't operate well, see, the same. So like, it wasn't so much like, ah, oh, well, screw this Caleb Williams guy. You know, let's try Rattler again. It was simply a case of, okay, so if he is not a hundred percent, do they maybe have a better chance 
trying Rattler a little bit. And you have to admit that the ball looked better coming out of his hand than it did Caleb Williams. Uh, you know, it, it just that, like you mentioned, I know what, what your, your deal was, is Spencer Rattler needs a clean pocket, and he didn't have one. I, it, that's the thing, and it, it's never been for me that Spencer Rattler can't play. or like. Don't get me wrong, he has his deficiencies, but the kind of game that this was, uh, that this was where Baylor was getting pressure with her front four, Spencer Rattler's not going to help you in that game. That's not the game he's going to win you. Um, if, if Caleb Williams is sitting in a clean pocket and he's missing all kinds of open receivers, okay, fine. Like, I can do that with you. But he, that's not what was going on. He was moving around and having to throw off platform, doing all the things that we know he can do. And you're right. He wasn't himself today. I'm not saying he was. But I, I think that last drive was pretty indicative. There was one guy that could actually move the ball. Now, he couldn't move it like we're used to seeing Oklahoma's offense move it. I, I totally grant that. But the other side of it is, and like I got into it with a few people, it's not just about today. Like, if if you're not, I mean, and you know, we don't know the conversations Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams had, but if if you're going to make that move, you have to make it abundantly clear to Caleb, this is not about performance. This has got nothing to do with that. And he may have done so. I mean, you don't have to do you that, though. It's, it's a hand injury. Thinking. I mean, all you have to say is, look, Caleb, I don't think your hand is 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 good. Like it, you're not yourself. Like we're gonna try something different. That's all you have to say. You're making it into such a big deal do. that it yeah. doesn't need to be. But at the same, like you ran him out there in the second half. You clearly thought he was okay. And so you can't rewrite it and then be like, well, it's not performance now. You it's have the to, hand. You have to. Well, like, give changed. him a chance though. You have to say, yeah, I know you're not a hundred percent. I mean, like you know, the sideline interview is just like. He was like, oh, Caleb's a tough kid. He, we don't think it'll be a, an issue. You don't really know. You're just trying to be positive and just trying to, you know, see if sure. the guy goes out there and can play through it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I wasn't a great baseball player. I mean, I hate making this analogy, but, like, again, I was a catcher, and after I would catch one of our knuckleballers, like, I would have so many jammed fingers uh, because they got bent back uh, because I would be digging so many balls out of the dirt. Uh, that I, I had to tape like three of my fingers together. Uh, but like the next day, whenever that would happen, I would go like five for five. Like even though one of my hands barely worked, it was just, it was one of those things. It's like some people, if they get hurt, I mean, let's face it, football players are playing hurt all the time. And some guys, you know, that kind of focuses them a little bit. And maybe they didn't know. I mean, Caleb's never been through anything like that with them. Maybe it would have made him focus. you got to give him that shot coming out of halftime. I just don't have an issue with it. The other problem with it was, and, okay, let's say I can buy that side of the argument. Then why the hell has Caleb Williams come back in the game? Because Spencer Rattler. If it's not I mean, performance-related. Because you weren't going anywhere with Spencer Rattler. I mean, it became clear after two series, like, the offensive yeah. line is not blocking well. And let's... Let, pause for a moment here. How are we the only ones that can see that, though? But pause here for a moment. God damn, that offensive right. line is just not what it needs to be. I mean, after all, nope. I mean, you've got to really start questioning what Oklahoma is doing on the offensive line right now, whether it's recruiting, development, whatever. It's not working, Josh. It's not good. Guys, and you look from a recruiting perspective, this is one of the more talented offensive lines Bill Biedenboe's had at Oklahoma, more, more highly regarded, however you want to term that. And they're not good. 
I like and I, I, there is some element that continues from last year where you look around college football. There's not a lot of great offensive line play. There's just not. There's a lot of teams that are doing a nice job masking it or kind of doing being unique to cover up the fact that they're not very good up front. But it's it's a problem. Like I mean, and that's I mean, look at the start of you the know, game. Now Josh, I will say, look at the start of the game, and they come out there and they just get blown the hell up. Like. You're like, yeah. I, like they once. I mean, that's not even to get the argument about you know whether this team is ready to play week in and week out. But they literally were overwhelmed when they first took the field as an offensive line. Overwhelmed, Kerry. That and that reads for me. That leads a huge question. Does and I, I don't know how broad to take this. Does the staff? Does Lincoln Riley? Do they have any feel for this team? Because to take the ball in that situation, you better be damn confident you can at least go get a couple first downs. We can flip the field here. But when they and started running the ball, then territory. they stopped running the ball. I mean, there was a point where they yes, had 65 yards of rushing offense and 65 yards of passing offense. Uh, and I think they had 66 to end the first half. Uh, like, they just never ran the ball. And Kennedy Brooks was, things were starting to open up for him, and they just yep. quit. And that's a that's a I, staple of Lincoln Riley's play calling. It really is. We can say that now. It is. I mean, I, I think we all have to acknowledge that is something he just his his run choices are hard to explain. Sometimes, like sometimes he's in a rhythm and it all clicks, and then there's sometimes there's just a a turd game like today where, like you said, I I really was impressed that they didn't get impatient and they kind of kept trying to run. They and then. All of a sudden, hey, the, the counter's starting to work a little bit. It's opening some things up, and then they just stopped, and it just it never returned. And you were like, "What? What's? I mean, and I get it if Baylor was moving the ball and you had some concerns about staying in the game, but no, that's not what was happening. It was it was ten seven late in the third quarter. Yeah, and, and I mean, there was so much, you know, QB run, uh, you know, and maybe that was with uh -huh. the hand thing and stuff, but. I mean the wide receivers until late. I mean the the past that was the most the most ridiculous thing is when Caleb Williams came back in the game he threw it deep to Jaden Hazelwood and look what happened like where was that the rest of the game it was just non-existent mm -hmm. and I mean just it, uh, the throws that were early like throwing behind Drake Stoops and throwing over uh, yeah. Austin Stogner's head and like. It was just Caleb Williams. I think the road, the first real road game, because let's face it, the Texas game. Remember after that game, even I think uh, uh, Sarkeesian even said like it seemed like we were an OU side of the field the entire game. Like he never really had to face that much, uh, you know. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know. He didn't have to face atmosphere that. noise. Well, he didn't have to face. Yeah, he didn't have to face a lot of adversity. Uh, you know, yeah. playing in okay. Texas' side of the field. I just felt like sure. today, I mean, he looked like a guy that really let the moment kind of get to him for the first time. That, I, I agree. I mean, like, you, look, there, there were times he just looked out of sorts, and I don't have a good reason for it or anything that can explain what it was that happened. Except that your, um, your offensive line didn't set a good tone for you early. I mean, that didn't help him. They didn't. They didn't. I, again, I don't know. Uh, like I said, 
There was just nothing that made sense. Like, they'd kind of get the run game going, then, okay, we're going to bomb it deep. Well, what? Why? Like, there, there was a drive there where even <laughs> Clatt and Gus Johnson, and, you know, I know, like, again, you were at home with me listening, where they're talking about, like, does Oklahoma just want to establish the run here? Like, do they want to just try that? And I think Kennedy Brooks had just ripped off, like, a seven-yard run on first down, and you're like, yes, that's genius, do that. And no, they, they, they just, they wouldn't, they refused to do it, and it looked like it was there. It was almost like, you know, like we talk about quarterbacks and pre-snap. Like, Oklahoma came into the game as like, well, we can throw the ball all day against Baylor, but we're not going to be able to run the ball. So let's just, like, and it was like, oh, no, we never adapted to, maybe that's not right. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's more here on the ground than we thought there was. By the way, you know what is weird is uh, I know I don't want to hear I don't want to see the comments in the in the uh, on on the Crimson Corner about this. Uh, yes, I know this wasn't uh, Caleb Williams' first road game, but the first one was at Kansas. Come on, and you could say that was a struggle there too. I mean, Caleb Williams has not played on uh, well on the road in one of those places uh, is a non environment in Kansas. There are more OU fans there than than there are uh, uh, Kansas fans. So. I don't know. It's, I mean, how do you win Bedlam? I mean, how does he if he doesn't play well on the road? Bedlam is going to be the craziest environment that he'll, he'll have seen. I I just don't know how a week off you're getting important players back, and God, Carrie, it's the same crap we've talked about. The defense played some good football today for large portions of that game. They played well. All of a sudden, the offense can't do anything. Like yeah. it's it's they cannot operate. No complimentary anything together. Football. Yeah. No, it, it's one or the other, and I don't know. Tech is the only There's time no that reason we've seen, for it. There's nothing tech, that makes sense. Tech is the only game all year in the second half of mm-hmm. Texas. That's the only two times we've yep. seen complimentary football from this team. I I I just. I, I, and there, like again, there's no reason. Like, there's no reason that you're like, oh yeah, that's why. It, it, none of it makes sense. Like, they're they're not connected to each other. There's nothing happening here. The defense kind of fell apart in the second half, I think, because they were just on the damn field so long. Yeah, um, I mean, it was, and, and you know, it's like, God, it's like you hate seeing guys leave the field on defense, like Nick Benito and Isaiah Thomas. Uh, because and then it's like they moved Isaiah Thomas inside and in, you know throughout the second half because they just weren't happy with their interior guys. Uh, and that's to me still continues to be baffling. Like I just don't I don't get it. I mean I I don't I don't know. I mean it's befuddling. And I mean like the defense today is just like Delarian Turner Yale comes out and he's making plays left and right early. Uh, and you're like, wow, the defense is a lot better with Delarian Turner Yale. But then he kind of has some brain farts here and there. And, you know, Nick yep. Benito, some tackles. you know, kind of disappears at times. But then other times, I thought I thought for a moment David Aguebu might be starting to feel himself a little bit and start maybe coming into his own. Uh, but then I see him get dragged like for four yards. Like, why is David Aguebu getting dragged by, you know, dragged by a running back for four yards? That shouldn't happen. This feels like the game that we've all thought would come all year, where Oklahoma and this idea that, like, oh, it'll all work out, we'll be fine, somebody's going to step up and make a play, and nobody did. Nobody could. And it finally came back and bit them in the ass. They played a team that was good enough to punish them for all their stupidity. I mean, the Perrion Winfrey personal foul, good God. Like, that can't happen. That just, just so, so stupid. Then you've got the Justin Broyles with the horse collar on the sideline. 
what do you do? Like, these are seniors. Like, you, you know, and it, like, I get a horse collar when it's all you can grab. Justin Broyles is like chest to chest with the guy. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't necessary. I didn't think there was any way it could could have been a horse collar because he literally was just ushering him out of bounds. Yes. When I saw it, I was like, oh, that's that's a bull call. And then you see the replay, and you're like, nope, that's dead on. That's obvious. I I don't know. I I mean, I'm sure Eddie would have lots to scream about if he were here. Um, I guess (laughs) I'm just reserved to the fact that this was a shit day. And it's it, nothing surprised. I mean, like, you know, before the game starts, you're thinking all the things like they, that run through your head. Like, well, what if the offensive line can't, you know, open up any holes for the running game? What if Caleb Williams throws interceptions? And like everything I thought that could go wrong that would lead to a loss went wrong. I mean, it, it just did. And like you said, the one thing that you can't really blame or, or you know, say sucks is the defense because they weren't that bad today. But the offense nope. was god-awful. I mean, it was just terrible. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and that's the thing. People will try to lump the defense. And don't get me wrong, there were uh, the defense wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, the key Lawrence like, touchdown? I mean, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Man? You're that, one-on-one with uh, a guy and you lost him. And he's... I mean, and the one guy you can't lose. Like, the one guy in Baylor's receiver room that you're like, nope, that guy's got to be a kind of... Tycon Thornton's a really good player. And... Uh, there, there was a reason. Like that was the matchup OU wanted. If there was any corner they want on Thornton, it's Key Lawrence because he's got the size to deal with him. And like, okay, you get shook, but then he just stopped. Who does that? Yeah, he like, had a turn rough and day. run. Like it, it, it was just a weird. It, I mean, and that that was the whole thing. Like the whole team. I, you know, you talked about Caleb. Like, was the was the situation a little little much for him? There were a lot of guys that looked like that. I mean, veteran yeah. guys that looked like they were overwhelmed out there. And I, maybe that's not what it was, but just guys making plays which you're like, you don't, you know better than that. You don't do that. That it was just, it was foolishness. Sorry, Eddie is trying to connect. Um, no, no. Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, look, it's a team that wasn't ready for that moment. I mean, they just weren't ready for the yeah. moment. And it's it's I know it's frustrating for the coaches and, and it's got to be for the fans as, as well because uh, I I mean you're talking about oh, that's a lot of road noise uh, Eddie Radosovich <laughs> joins us uh, kind of beater with you his guys windows driving? down and yeah. a, with the windows down and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth might uh, suggest some sound absorption in that car uh, hold on one sec I'm gonna put I'm gonna put my uh... Maybe my headphones will work a little bit better if I put those on. Okay. Um, All right. That would probably be good, yeah. So, uh, no, but, I mean, that's got to be the frustrating thing, like coaches uh, or or fans, because you see so many guys that are out there playing hard and playing well. Like, I, you know, I obviously I watch Isaiah and, and what he's doing on just about every sure. play. Uh, yeah, I think you're better, Eddie. Uh okay. Yeah, and you that, that seems a lot better. You see him kind of just flying all over the field, and he's making plays that go away from him. And you're like, okay, Isaiah's really, you know, he's trying to get some more viewers on the, the Isaiah Thomas show right now. Uh, <laughs> and then you see guys that like Perion that have the stupid penalty, uh, or you see guys that just flat out miss a tackle, or you see 
like Delarian Turner Yell just diving at a guy instead of just running up to him and and and, and tackling him. It's just like yep. it's insane. The and I will say I thought Isaiah Thomas had a hell of a game in the first half. He played really well in the first half. Kind of like you said, they kind of moved him around. They moved him inside. I mean, uh-huh. it's just like, and it it didn't look the same. Well, I mean, look, they were getting killed on that Bohannon uh, option, and and yeah. I mean, it was just they just kept running that play over and over and over again, and there was no reason to stop because that just killed them all yeah. day. Now the the dude I, we have, I mean, we talked about the defense having Brian Osamoa. If that dude oh, played yeah. like that all season, he'd be it. He'd be going to the. He'd be a Buckus finalist. That was a monster of a game. He was everywhere for the first three quarters. Yeah, he was, and then of course was out of the game on the biggest drive of the of the day. And, and the thing is, like when they score that touchdown, like Benito's not on the field. Uh, Isaiah Thomas is not on the field. They got like Ethan Downs and and Marcus Stripling is on the field when they score the the short touchdown when Bohannon runs it in, and like and that was like first and second and goal. Is like what is going on, like. How are these personnel decisions being made? Eddie, you know, we were talking a little bit about just kind of the atmosphere, the environment. What was that like for you? I mean, like, on the what was it like? It didn't seem overly rowdy or anything. It didn't seem crazy. Uh, yeah, no, it was, it was just really weird. It was kind of dead almost. I, I, I thought it was, it was one of those games that was just very weird because you never felt like it was, I don't know, you, you to, and to a certain extent, you never felt like OU was really locked into the game. And then you look up and it's seven to nothing. And then they drive right back down the field. Like, I don't know. I Until they broke off the 75-yarder, Bob and I were talking about this on the way on the way home. By the way, my mission is get him home safely. Uh, I was by myself. I might just drive off the side of the road. The, <laughs> it just it was it was very awkward. I, I think that's probably the best way to say it. It was a very awkward day. It was kind of warm. The 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 fans were like into it, but I don't think that they necessarily really believed in Baylor until they had a ten point lead in the fourth quarter. It was just I don't get it. I, I I really don't. I don't get it. I know that you guys have I'm sure already talked about this, but the way that that thing came kind of undone, and knowing that they came or uh, are, are coming out of a bye week, it just it, it very concerning. I think overall, just the way that that whole thing unfolded, there was there was never really a belief in Oklahoma. It felt like that they were going to be able to find a way today. And it's kind of weird because it's like the 17 games prior to that, they had always found a way. Uh, and especially in the fourth quarter. And it just, I, it just wasn't able to come together. And then the quarterback thing was just awkward. I, I don't know. It was, it was startling enough to where you go, where's this season going to go? Like, where, what direction is this thing going to well, go? Eddie, we I, were, I really don't know. We were talking about this earlier. It is strange if you look back at the two true road games that Caleb Williams has played. And even before he hurt his hand, he was not yeah. particularly accurate. And it's not like he's no. played. It's not like he's played in you know just deafening environments. I mean, but Kansas and Baylor, and he's just looked very shaky compared to what he's looked like at home, uh, and you know with half a stadium full of fans at OU Texas, yeah. um, it's concerning. Yeah, I mean, get ready in two weeks because that place is going to be a madhouse, knowing that they can 
basically end Oklahoma season. And shit, I don't know if they get through next week with Iowa State, even though they get beat today down in Lubbock. So uh, he didn't play well. I thought he floated a couple balls. You know, I thought the big one of the biggest plays of the game was when he missed Stogner down in, I guess it would be the north end zone. Stogner's wide open. He just floated it over him. It's like he didn't drive the ball. And uh, it just offensively, it was not good. I mean, I just, I I kept looking over at Nate and uh, Josh Calloway and it's like, what is going on? I, I just, I thought the, the play calling was kind of miserable at times. The the imagination of the offense was just kind of weird. It's like I don't know. Like the the first series of the game, how terrible was that? Yeah, we were talking like about just that earlier. Flat out, fucking awful. Well, and it was awful uh, you know, because it, the offensive line just came out there and just got oh blown my up. God. They weren't ready to play. I, I didn't realize that until I got like up to the press box after the game and I'm looking at the game books like I did not realize that they lost 15 yards on the first series of the game. Well, I mean, I, I think it was third and it was third and 20. I mean, like it, it was, it, there there was no play there where they're like, well, okay. They had the one bad one and then two were okay. Like they were just all awful. Like, Oh, you would just like, <laughs> and they just didn't look ready to play. It didn't. They, I, I, with Eddie, I agree. They looked disinterested. But I. There, but there yeah. was a part of me that until Baylor breaks that seventy-five yard run, where I'm like, they're going to find a way to win this game. They're going to. We've and seen you know it a the, bunch of times. They're going to do this. You know what the sad part about all this? And I was telling Bob we were talking about before I uh, before I called in while we were getting on the road out of Waco. It's like at the end of the third quarter. I don't know if they showed it on television. But Riley calls like a team huddle. The entire team comes together before they punt that ball away. And that was like a moment of like, okay, you're like, as, as poorly as things have gone, you're in this game. Somehow, some way, you're in this game. You can find a way. And it felt like it, it kind of gave me that like Texas vibe. is like, you're going to get a go- good punt here. They did. They got the penalty to back them up. And then the defense just comes out and, you know, Benito misses the uh, – the assignment and the rest is history. I mean, after that, it was like, okay, it's over. Yeah, that seventy-five yard run was just—I mean, just... it was backbreaking. It was crippling. Well, and the thing OU about it, was going to get the ball in such a good position, like it could have been fine, and it just wasn't. Sure. Here's the sure. thing that's crazy about today is that uh, you did exactly what you wanted. You you put him in the exact same position, the exact position that you wanted Bohannon to be in where yeah. he was ineffective throwing the football, and it's, it, you still could not stop him. Uh, the crazy quick thing update. is, defensively, they didn't play like – I mean, there were bad parts, believe yeah. me. But, like, there was a lot of really good – it's kind of like you said, Josh. It's like Brian Osamoa played pretty well, all things considered. But then, like, the, the, the three plays that really stuck out to me were the, – there was a, a, a – uh, I, I don't remember what down it was, but it was down inside the red zone. They basically back the guy up, and he crosses midfield, like or uh, crosses yes. direction, and still picks up. I think it was a first down because then it was it was first and goal from the ten or something, and all of a sudden it's second and five, uh, missed tackles, the third and and then the two third and longs that they pick up one with a draw and then the other one with a screenplay almost. 
Like, I, I just don't get it. I don't get how they can look so bad at times. It's like they, it's literally like they don't practice. I thought repeatedly today they looked slow. Because there were yeah. several times where they cut it back across the field. And granted, that's part of that wide zone Baylor runs. Like, I get that that's, they block in a manner where they can reverse. But that's, that's not what this was. There were several that were just, oh, I'm totally stopped here. I'm going to run back and go back the other way. <laughs> and I'm, you're watching them run away from like Woody Washington and those kind of, and you're like, man, for, you know, if you're going to hashtag speed D, you can't have guys running. 25 yards back in the other direction out running you to get there like that that can't happen and i will uh, say josh your guy uh did look fast running down um was that Ab- abner smith or whatever on the uh, Abr- abram smith yeah abram- yeah shane shane witter making a play uh now got some help pat fields tripped him up just enough to slow him down i think witter caught him now i do want to say quick update here um bob eddie if you guys want to flip around on i-35 and get headed to austin uh, it's seven nothing Kansas in Austin right now. So they're trying to do their best Sanford impression. If if Florida doesn't change the locks at the football facility, oh. and they actually let Dan Mullen in on uh, Monday morning, everybody in that department should be fired. Eddie, are you disregarding a win? I mean, uh, you know, th- that's just insulting to the game. Have a <laughs> press conference where he doesn't embarrass himself. He is he's I, incapable. I, 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 of not embarrassing somebody, himself. Somebody said uh, on Twitter, I saw that he was trying to get ratioed in real life, and I think that's exactly what he's <laughs> trying to do. Oh, it's you're just like, how? I mean, and don't get me wrong. There's times I'm like, okay, a coach has to say that. No, in the situation he's in, he has to come in and say, this is not acceptable. What, what happened out there is not okay. Yeah, we're glad we got a win. We have to be better than that. And yeah. like... I get that that's not going to make everybody happy, but you're also not going to just piss on everybody that is insanely furious with you at the moment. Have you guys covered any of the uh, the way that the game ended as far as No, we were waiting to talk to you on. because you were on the field, so you got to see the madness. Uh, and I think that maybe you kind of were close enough to hear Lincoln Riley f- freaking out. Uh, more than Riley. I mean, I don't. I'm not well, gonna. I mean, the fact that names, Joe C got involved uh, was. Jo- I mean, Joe C's out on the field. Yeah, he's out on the field. Him and Zach Selman were both on the field. Right. Listen, I know OU's not happy about the way that that was handled. I think both sides handled it very poorly. But I, I mean, what's OU bitching about? Don't I, get in that. Dave Rana made a smart play. He, he made a smart play. I, you can get as yeah, mad as you it. want like, about that. That's just Lincoln's good football. Pissed off that was, because that was of the smart. way the game ended. I mean, he's yep. pissed off because of the way the game was. He's not like, yeah. I get it. But at the same time, I thought that they kind of looked like idiots being so mad about it. Like, what's, I don't know. Like, I guess I say this and then something does happen and we're all looking back on it and wondering why. But a Baylor student isn't going to go cold clock Perry on Winfrey after the game. It's just not going to happen. That's more likely uh, part, uh, Perry on Winfrey is going to cold cock a Baylor student. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Oh, I think shit, they're the in much they more danger from him. Half, I'd love to see that. it show that he cares a little bit. <laughs> no, but I mean, the whole thing, it was just a circus. I mean, that one... 
how do you not how, how do you not tell Dave Aranda like, look, we can let the time stay on the clock, but you're going to get a 15 yard penalty because of this. this yeah. and that'll pretty much nullify your your field goal attempt. But obviously, they're not going to do that, uh, especially with OU and Texas and what they've done. I mean, we we asked ourselves like. And we've asked Lincoln Riley this, like, do you, do you worry about, you know, how things might go on the road um, now that you've already declared that you're leaving the conference? And, what, you know, what else was he supposed to say? He was like, oh, I don't think anything will change. You can't help but wonder if that didn't have something to do with the way things played out today with, in, in regards I mean, to giving that, them that field goal. I don't think that they, like, thought about that at the end of the game, although there were some pretty – Pretty strong SEC chants from the yeah, Baylor fans at the end of the game. I don't know if it came across on television, but I mean, I, I get it. Like, like everybody is just pissed off about that situation. But yeah, it's like I the the best way to avoid that is don't be down by eleven with a minute left in the fourth quarter. I mean, my God, it just could have been a very preventable situation, I guess. But I have never seen the OU administration. Uh, that angry about like another opponent, the way that like the the, the words "fucking bullshit" were used many a times as there was people walking <laughs> off the field. Like I, I I don't think that we're that's like the last we've heard of that. But then again, it's like what's Baylor supposed to do? Like this, the the student section isn't gonna not run on the field. Yeah. No, there's. I mean, we've all been on fields when that's happened. There's yeah. no way you're stopping that from happening. I, you can find people as much as you want. You're not stopping. I mean, we've literally. I remember Bob Berry Jr. and I standing there laughing as uh, cops were arresting tech player or tech students jumping out of the stands, literally looking up at them and saying, "If you jump down here, I am going to arrest you." And then you just see the kid go, "Yolo." <laughs> and jump yeah, out on the field and get tackled by the cop. like. And the Baylor kids were sober. That's the crazy part about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I said, the the thing with that whole the whole ending, and you know, somebody brought this up to me. Guys, did Lincoln Riley take Tuesday? You know, I know everybody thinks it was the LSU interview. Was he actually putting in a good word for Dave Aranda at LSU? Was that like, is he trying to get Dave Aranda as far away as humanly possible? Because that well, dude is oh, clearly I mean, Dave, Dave a problem. Dave Aranda just made himself a lot of money at USC yep. today. That I'll tell you what that that Tuesday thing becomes it comes a it becomes a lot bigger than it was at about seven oh a.m. this morning at seven o'clock tonight after that type of performance, especially the way that they played. From top to bottom. I mean, it, it literally looked like they were unprepared. That's all you guys are going to be talking about on Monday. That's all. That's literally all anybody's going to want to talk about. Here, no, I, Eddie, you know this. You know who's going to ask that question, right? I don't know. I, we'll see if I'm still allowed to attend stuff. <laughs> well, I may not let you. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know that Hoover is going to ask that question. I'm just telling you right now, Carrie. There's a uh, there's a guardrail about 15 feet to my left right now. Is that your way of apologizing? Is that what is that your way of apologizing? Is that how you apologize? No, I was going to tell you later. 
Uh, anyway, um, no, I don't but want to I mean, mom on the pod. no, I mean, it's people, a big deal now. People, yeah, so unprepared. With yeah. A, but yeah. here's the thing: missing one day and a bye week is, is, you know, that's that shouldn't be a big deal. Like it's more than one day. Like the failure is that you had a whole bye week. Like and yeah. and you were still that bad, especially to start the game. Yeah, I just I I really like I don't know I I wish I had an answer uh, for the way that that thing unfolded, but there was just no like they were fighting, but they weren't fighting. I don't know. It was it's hard to it's hard to kind of explain like even the sidelines and you guys have been to these types of games before. It just felt like everybody was a little bit checked out and I don't know how, like, I'll just say it like it's a total fan take, but it did feel like it was like the team knew that Lincoln Riley was going to LSU in a way. Like it did kind of feel like that just because of the way that that thing unfolded. Like maybe he's actually the Raiders coach already and we don't know it. Yeah. Like it just, (laughs) it was, I don't know. It was very, very weird the way that that thing unfolded and just kind of like they were, they were lifeless. And then there was never really a, a, an opportunity for them to find themselves. I don't know. And the way, just the way that that unfolded, it was like, Holy shit. Like, I mean, right now they might get up, they might go up to Stillwater and get beat by, a good solid 17, 20 points. Well, here's the know. thing. How many points can they score in Stillwater? That's the question. <laughs> Any? Which is crazy because I like I felt like they were finding some stuff on the ground there in the uh like yep. second and third quarters. And then you look up and it's like three and out, three and out, three and out. I don't know. It like the the two interceptions from Caleb Williams were just so inexplicable like there would have been guys benched at Hefner Middle School for throwing it up the way that he did guys we are we are breaking OU fans hearts to have this conversation just for a little bit of levity it is 14 nothing Kansas at the end of the first quarter Holy in Austin shit. right now that's the only thing that can make tonight Kansas. better for anybody the wheels may be coming off that train uh, I don't think like even shitting on Texas doesn't make Oklahoma feel better anymore. <laughs> like that's what that's You're where the is at. It's like ah, all right, well they still are terrible. Uh, that doesn't, and that's the thing about like the fan base now. And I got a lot of this today before my phone died. It's like they're nine and one, and they might as well be five and four because winning the Big Twelve, like putting this thing back together, does nothing for nobody. This season is now a failure. I I mean, I, hate to, I I'm not trying to be all sunshine and rainbows here, but you beat Iowa State, you beat Oklahoma State, and then you beat Oklahoma State in the Big Twelve Championship game. I mean, they almost made the. Do I have to remind everybody they almost made the college football playoff last year with two losses? The, I still see ways for this to be okay. Don't get me wrong; I don't have any illusions about what this team is. But no, I don't have, have any illusions about what Oklahoma State is. They have to or get Iowa a lot State. better. And and Lincoln Riley's got to be better in a lot of ways as the yep. offensive coordinator, uh, whether it's pre- preparation, game planning, 
uh, play calling. There's a lot of ways he could be better. But, guys, I mean, it was a bye week, and the offense wasn't prepared, but the defense was definitely prepared to play this game today. That Yeah, they, they, they were well enough to win. There's no doubt about that. Eddie, so, we talked about a little bit. It just was so bad. Yeah, you, you need to settle this, because Carrie and I are on very different ends of the benching Caleb Williams spectrum. Uh, I don't think. What did you there, make of that? No what did you see ends. from the field? I there guess there are no ends. There's just if the guy is hurt, you might as well try something else. That's my end. That's where I mean. But that's where I. But start if he's hurt, you don't stop. run him back out there. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he got benched because he was hurt. I think he got benched because he was being terrible. Well, I'll say like, this, and he wasn't good. I'm not arguing that he was. He was not good. But when he's thrown his second interception. And you wonder how much the hand is really hurting him. Like, that's where I think you just have to try something. Because at that point, it didn't look like the offense was ever going to score again that day. Yeah. And the reason that Rattler got benched at Texas was the same for the exact same reasons. His second turnover and the offense wasn't going anywhere and they were down big. Well, but that's again, and that's the difference. Texas was looking like they might lap Oklahoma. Like, I kind of got that. Like, and don't get me wrong, I I was kind of of the opinion that it should happen already. Like, I'll I'll own that. But at the same time, it was 10-7. Defense is playing fine. Like, it's not like you're out of the game. Like, and don't get me wrong, you can't keep turning the ball over. I certainly understand it. But, guys, we talked about this for weeks. This was going to happen sooner or later. Caleb Williams was not going to walk on water his entire freshman year. There was going to be a tough moment, and it feels like the moment got tough, and they were like, okay, let's go back to Spencer Rattler. I, yeah. That messes I, with I, a kid. I like, I, with It that. just feels like a poor thing. How was Spencer Rattler ever considered a dual-threat quarterback? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like, oh, it, it's, he, and I'm, I'm not trying to be mean to him. He just like he gets under pressure, he cannot get out of any. No. And with that offensive line as bad as they're at, they are, like, he's a sitting duck back there. You thought, you thought OSU got after Jarrett Dagey? He's gonna, he's gonna, OSU's gonna have 13 sacks against OU. They might have more sacks than completions. It's, it's mostly because of where he played and the competition level he played, where you just, and the yeah. fact that he didn't have to prove anything most of his senior year. Like I, yeah. Mike Woods had a step on his. Didn't guy really on get an opportunity first, to on that first ball. No, I, I mean that I, was I, an I, egregious missed pass interference that Mike Woods throw his very first pass. Oh, was it? Oh, it was awful. Like the guy literally. I thought there were two bad ones. The guy on the Mike Woods one, yeah, on b- both on Mike Woods, but the Spencer Rattler his first throw, the guy just clamped on to Mike Woods' arm the entire time and pulled it down to where he couldn't even use it, and they just let it go. It was unbelievable. They didn't call that. It, it, it was very bad. The there, there's no doubt. That OU would love to have. Uh, yeah. And that that's the thing that's the toughest, because that was the area that everybody was like, well, if Oklahoma can't do anything else, they can attack Baylor in the secondary. But you know what? And Baylor would, would have loved to have Joshua Eaton and Latrell McCutcheon, too, though. <laughs> Well, if Latrell's dad has anything to say about it, that might... uh... (laughs) He might be in the transfer portal soon. I think we just lost Eddie.
Oh. Yeah. You can't really go too far down that highway and not lose a signal at some yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, that's a... Uh, and you wouldn't think so on a major thorough thoroughfare? Yeah, we'll go with thoroughfare. Like 35, but that is... That's always a hell of, Maybe it's because there's so many damn people. Yeah. He's back. Eddie, we got you. for a second. Yeah, we got you. We just... That's... And... That and that's just just part of losing football games, though. Like I know that there's going to be a lot of people that make a big deal about. I don't, is that Latrell's dad that went off on Twitter and stuff? I, I don't know. I wouldn't overreact too much to that. I, dad's going to be pissed that his son's not playing, but yeah, he might have a, a little bit of a point. I, what do you guys think of Woody's return? I thought he. I, I the thought shit. he was. He, he was solid. He knocked the shit out of some yep. dude at one point. I can't remember who that was thought he was real steady like it wasn't great it wasn't an amazing performance but he was very steady he did what he needed to do and for I mean, really, first game back the only gla- i mean the two glaring uh bust that i saw today one was dj graham which bohannon mm. overthrew his guy uh and the other was yeah. key lawrence in the end zone just losing yeah, losing his guy that he was i, I will say there. like dj did lose his guy but that was a hell of a play in the third quarter, knocking the ball out oh, of the guy's yeah. hands. That would have been, if they had come back, that would have been the play of the game. But then they pick up a first down on like an 18-yard run the very next play. Yeah, but that was the same possession, though, that they ended up getting the uh, fumble, right? Oh, was that when Osamoa knocked out, knocked it out and yeah. recovered? Okay. So it kind of it kind of cancels it, it out. But out. You're yeah. right. It's like, that's still the, the third down. It's like third and 13 or third and 15. And they pick up 23 yards. because Yeah, because it was Isaiah Thomas had the sack on the uh, triple reverse option or whatever. It was right after the pick. Guys, if you would have told me Bo Hannon would be 12 of 21 for 117 yards and a pick, I think OU wins this by three touchdowns. Like 35-17 or something. Yes. What what did the rushing I I was going to say this a little. uh, They ended up 296. Two. Now, obviously, you, you take one or two big runs out of it; it's a lot more manageable. But I mean, that's all part of this. I mean, it's not like it's not like Baylor couldn't run. But I thought that real they start. I mean, again, Abram Smith's not a burner, and the fact that it took OU that much effort to catch him tells me they were damn tired by the time that play happened. Um, and that was that was a first down, if I'm not mistaken. That was the first play of the series. So, right, yeah, um, you know, so. They had come off, so I think they were just wearing down as that went on. Um, what what I was going to say, I think from a coverage perspective, this may have been the best game I saw you play all year. I thought the coverage was pretty good. They've gotten their hands in some passing lanes. They're like you said, the the DJ Graham breakup. Uh, now that they had a couple busts, it wasn't perfect by any stretch, but it, you know the the stuff over the middle wasn't just wide open and just killing OU. Uh oh. We got another sub- submerged Eddie. Oh no! Yeah, well, if we lose them, that's fine. We're 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 probably yeah. good. I don't know how much more we could bitch about this particular game. <laughs> <laughs> I think we we've, we've hit pretty much every point that we could bitch about. Um, I I think say we do we have enough time for all the stock ups we want to do, or are we we going to be okay? Yeah, I'm I'm just worried about sights and sounds <laughs> this week. Like, is it going to be a three oh. minute spectacular? 
It's going to be Brian. It's just the Brian Osamoa highlight reel. Just him walking around hitting people. Okay, we got you back, Eddie. I think. Eddie? Yeah, we're Eddie. good. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry, that was that the funniest was... sounding I don't have a good connection sound I've ever heard my entire life. You went super digital there. Oh, is it not coming through yet? It, you're fine now. You're now you're coming through. Yeah. No, I was okay. saying before you got back okay. on here. I, I'm I'm really concerned about your sights and sounds this week. That it's only going to be like three minutes long. I mean, I shot. I had a good shooting day. Is it just going to be like Joe C and Lincoln? Just like at the end of the game? Just that's going to be the whole reel. I mean, it might be. I would be. Some, <laughs> I would be interested in watching that. I, I would watch that. Yeah, that's that's true. It, I mean, you can't really see because we we couldn't get like that close because it was down on the other end of the field. But it was just the whole thing was weird. Like I knew what was going on, but at the same time, it was just like, I mean, just get it over with. That's basically how I felt. Like all the players were already back in the locker room. It was just really weird, and I feel terrible for Caleb Kelly, man. Yes, that's that is something we got to talk about. That's. Do, do we know what it was? Like, do we know? They suspect what... that it's a torn ACL. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's. I, I think that's. Uh, I think Bob even put it out. He had a source tell him the ACL. It just, it's awful, man. Yeah, I'd, I'd actually tweeted that out. Um, I talked to somebody, um, and uh, I was like, "So, do they even need to?" do an MRI or is he an expert or did they even need to look at it or did he just self-diagnose since he's had it so many times? Like, yep, it's ACL again. I think he, I think he 100% knew as soon as it happened, just the way that he reacted. Uh, I think they, they absolutely knew. And Brian Mead came over. It was just a, it was almost a really sad scene kind of. That's just, I mean, it's just incredible. Awful. Incredible that he he's gotten this many years and got him back as a COVID and all that, but that he's had these three injuries now, yeah, that have been season ending. He had a nice play in the red zone, like on a run play yeah. early in the game. I mean, I don't know. I, you I know, guess I'd say something terrible here, but it's Clayton Smith's time now. Step up for a for a guy that has had all the injuries. He has had some nice moments. Like the Auburn Sugar Bowl. He'll always have that great game. He'll have the strip against Texas. Like, he's had some truly huge the TCU moments. The TCU score. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. But yep. I West think, Virginia. I know West, West Virginia, Virginia is sack. one that he's told me is his favorite play going into this year mm-hmm. of his career. I mean, a lot of guys that have those injury problems never got the chance to do some of the stuff he's done. But obviously, I'm sure he'll always, you know, kind of have a what if feeling sure. just because well, I think you know, it, he it, did flash great stuff if you could do it all over again if you're caleb kelly then i i probably come in and i i spend a year bulking up and i i try and become a defensive end for because he just never was a linebacker he was just a tweener yep I, just surprising i, I just thought, never, i don't know is that not surprising a little bit i thought he was he was gonna be one of the next great linebackers at oklahoma I did too. I did too. And I, I didn't. He was always a weird fit. Now, if he had come in as a freshman into Grinch's scheme, he makes all the sense in the world. Now, he's just not the guy he used to be. And so I think people will be like, oh, you, you see him this year. This year, he's not, not what he once was. 
Um, but in Mike's scheme, and it's not no fault of Mike's, like he just he was always an awkward fit. So that th- that was always going to be a little bit tricky. But um, like I said, it just anybody that knows the kid, like it's just it's hard not to be heartbroken for him because he deserved a good moment, a good way to go out, and that's just not the way it, it's supposed to end. Let me ask you this: um, If you are Alex Grinch, you're losing Isaiah Thomas, Perry uh, Winfrey, obviously, uh, and uh, Nick Benito. Do you look at maybe start looking at maybe putting a Guaybu back at, at rush in spot? Because I would. As much as he's had some flashes. I haven't noticed anything particular out of Reggie Grimes lately. Uh, Marcus Stripling, don't really see it there with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't know that there's a difference maker there next year. Yeah, the <laughs> Stripling feels like a, a uh, picture that gives me a lot of confidence in what's coming back in 2022. I mean, Clayton Smith, we all think is a dude. Yep. But you know, yeah, but he can't get on the field. Like, yeah, I. I'm about as low on just from a development standpoint of a bunch of people right now that you could possibly get. And of course it's a little bit of an overreaction, but it's like, like, holy shit. Like what is from top to bottom, what is going on? Yeah. there. I, I thought, you know, like we can talk about Caleb Williams and it wasn't there. I thought there was a lack of many guys stepping up and trying to make plays on offense all day. Like yeah, people yeah, can talk yeah. about the the the, the Marvin yeah. Mims pass interference on the deep ball. Marvin Mims made no real effort to come back to that ball. Like he just thought he was going to get the pi and go. Like no man, go make the play. And I I, I think the world of Marvin Mims, but I think that he has some yeah, of that. Yeah, he could have forced more of the contact uh-huh. if he would have come yep. back. And if that ball, because yep. like I said, I think I said this in the war room. If that had, if that ball had been even more underthrown, it would have been an obvious pi. Uh, mm. But he could have made it look more obvious by yeah by fighting his way back to the football. Yeah, that. Like I said, and it, so I mean, and I, I don't get me wrong. Like Caleb. Gets all the credit when it goes right. He he gets the blame today. I mean, he was a bi- he was the primary issue along with the offensive line not giving him much help. But th- there were some plays there to be made that I didn't feel like guys made. I, it, it didn't feel like OU ever developed an answer to Baylor dropping you know seven and bringing four. Like, can we not work something intermediate here? Like they they did that little dump off to Eric Gray where he about scored a touchdown. Yeah, and you thought, well, where's where's more of that? That looks great. Like that, you know, Eric Gray in space against a linebacker. That's a battle you'll win. Yeah, people like. Uh, have you ever seen like? I remember watching a sixty minutes thing one time about face blindness. Have you ever seen much on face blindness? No. So it's like when you can never remember a person by looking at their face. Oh, wow. So, uh, like, you'll meet someone, and they'll say hello. Like, I kind of get it, because in, especially when I was doing more recruiting stuff, because you meet so many people, mm-hmm. I'm not real good at name, you know, putting names with faces. I have to meet you several times before I, you, it really sinks in. But, like, these are people that, that, like, work around people day after day, and they cannot remember their names by looking at their face. 
because they only wow. they don't see features they only see like sharp shapes or something but i think lincoln briley i think lincoln riley has running back blindness like anything <laughs> that has to do with running backs it's just a blind spot for him and if that's throwing to them out of the backfield that's part of his running back blindness because uh, you're right that eric gray pass out of the back has been one of the most effective plays that they've had on offense all year yep and they rarely use it just get and him in space in a, get him the ball in space however however you may in a game like that how does marcus major not get a look or two let's just see if he can do something between the tackles like because he fumbled they, especially like when two minutes left in the game against tech it's amazing how well, that but I can't, moves. I can't really say importance. that when you didn't give enough carries to the guy who was running the ball well. Like they just fair. weren't interested That's in fair. running anything, anybody. You're yeah. right. You're right. I... It's just frustrating, well, and, then you, and it's and then an you ongoing get into the situation thing. when Rattler comes in the game. You can't do any RPO stuff because he has he's no threat to to keep the ball. Because he can't, and make it doesn't the right help that you're down by it. ten or seventeen or whatever the hell. It, Again, like, and, and people will take it as like me defending Williams and bagging on Rattler. I thought it was an unfair spot to put Rattler in. Like, I, I, it wasn't, he wasn't going to succeed in that. Like, there, there was no chance. He, he, he had nobody to block for him. Like Eddie said, he's not a threat in the RPO because he just doesn't have a feel for it. And I mean, Baylor was doing a nice job up front. Like, I don't know. What you thought Spencer Rattler was going to bring to that scenario? Someone that could actually accurately throw the football. Uh, I mean, guys, we okay. We we can talk about the pass interference. Spencer Rattler leads Mike Woods. That's a touchdown, not a would be pass interference. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, there but were I mean, guys, I, I thought. Well, I mean, I, I know many, that's nitpicking. Many, that's tough. But how many it. perfect deep balls has Caleb Williams thrown this year? Most of his passes God. are under overthrown. No, deep. no, you're not. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, but if that's what we're saying, if that's the, if that's what Rattler brings to the table, he missed. But he also gave a wide receiver a chance to make a play on the ball, and Caleb Williams wasn't <laughs> that doing. He did that. that you're there. I mean, there's like I. I get it, but I. And you know what's interesting? I don't. I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze. He did that in his very first pass. And what did we criticize him about so much before he got benched? Is that he would never throw that fifty-fifty ball to anyone? That's fair. That's a good point. He he came in with a an IDGAF for sure. It's like I'm gonna. I'm just gonna wing it. Yeah, he wasn't worried about his completion his mask off. He had a mask on the entire time. I, I mean, I told you guys in the war room, but there was rumors circulating that he had the flu all week. Dude, that stuff. Georgia had a bunch of players with the flu. Like, I was sick this week, uh, and it was like a stomach bug. It was like, I thought it was yeah. food poisoning, but well, I, that thing, I think that that's stuff why is, Deshaun White and Clayton Smith weren't there today. Yeah, I, I, I say, I mean, I went to that wedding last weekend, and I haven't been around anybody. Uh, cause I, I wanted to make sure like I don't get COVID and then start spreading it. Cause that's where it always happens is at weddings. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that thing's going around big time. I mean, I'm not so sure that that's, you know, Lincoln Riley didn't have that this week. I, I my guess, and you I, know, kind of talking to Tiffany and some medical people is that last year there was no real flu because everybody's wearing damn masks. There was no way for it to really spread. So this year you're getting a whole lot of people that, normally you know like it would 
kind of like we talk about with COVID, like it would have been a little more spread out. Well, there was no, there, there was no um, immunity built to it. So a lot of people that wouldn't normally catch it are catching it right now. Sure. I mean, that's just, you know, it's a half-baked theory, but that's, that's what, it makes some sense on, you know, from people much smarter than me, I guess. All right. They got to they gotta figure something out because offensively that – and here's the other thing. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Gary Neving tweeted it out, but Lincoln Riley might just straight up have a Dave Aranda problem. Yes. And he's not getting away from that anytime soon. He can't move the ball against that guy. No, I mean, no, we, we talked about this earlier. Uh, Dave Aranda made USC money today. He just got a, <laughs> He just got a big raise from his offer that USC's trying to make. I mean, well, somebody's going to come out. A family gave uh, Baylor Athletics a hundred million dollars. Holy shit! Wow, the Baptist man. Straight up, I don't know if it was Koresh money, but it was definitely a hundred million dollars. No, there is def. There is definitely. Let me let this slide. Uh, there is definitely. <laughs> uh, I was trying to get an interview with him the entire second half. I, I never saw him. There is definitely going to be. I mean, Baylor will not let him go easily like they're gonna throw like the yeah. eight or nine million out there to try and keep him yeah 100%. they don't want to they don't want to have to go through what they've been going through over the last two years like you know trammell talked about it uh or wrote about it this week just as far as it's it's kind of impressive that baylor has been able to keep their head above water over the last two hires since the art ryle stuff with you know I, matt rule is a great hire and Dave Aranda, it, as it turns out, he's a pretty damn good hire as well. Uh, I mean, it, at some point, I guess, how long has Mac Rhodes been there? Did he make both of those hires? Is that right? No. Uh, I mean, Mac Rhodes got knocked out with the Bryle stuff. Is that not? Is he not? I thought he was still the guy. Am I crazy? Who am I thinking? Or am I thinking of a different? No, you're... Uh, uh, see, there was Star, and who was the Star was the president, and who was the AD? It that it doesn't matter. Oh, it's um, the guy over at Liberty now. Yes. Um, damn, what's his name? I forget that scumbag's name. Yep, yep. But yeah, I mean Ian McCaw. Oh yeah, yeah Ian McCaw. That's who it was. Yep, yep. But yeah, I think say yeah, Mac Rhodes apparently it's he came in 2016, so I. Th- would that have been rule? Would he have inherited rule then? Is that right? I'm trying to remember when rule got there. But either way, he he hired Aranda, had rule like guys doing something right from an athletic director standpoint. Um, but yeah, Aranda, it's hard not to be impressed. Like I was super impressed because, and I know people it made him mad the end of the game decision. He was just so cool headed. He was like, yeah, we we needed to do that. That helps us. I don't think a lot of coaches would have done that. A, from I don't want to offend another coach. Man, who gives a shit? It's like I heard something about the, what was it, in the post game, the sports compassion or, you know, sportsmanship or something like the that. Code Man, of sportsmanship, I believe it was. No, no. It doesn't, get, it doesn't go no nope. way to uh, say that the program's not soft when Riley's sitting up there talking about he wouldn't have kicked a field goal and something about whatever you just said about sportsmanship. Like, my eyes rolled out of the back of my head. You wouldn't do something that helped your team? What, what are we talking about here? Yeah, well, we all know uh, that, everybody's using analytics out the ass these days, so. 
Yeah. It, he was mm. he was more mad about the game than he was about the actual situation. I'm sure I just don't and, and that, that they were that upset. Yeah. And that's fair. Like I I oh it is fifteen nothing old miss in Oxford right now. A and M can do nothing offensively. Damn it. That's my lock of the week. <laughs> I, last I saw, Ole Miss had like 330 yards offense. A&M had like 80. I, I, I'll admit, I was fully bought in on a and I, I kind of I, – I, don't get me wrong. I thought this was going to be an interesting game. We talked about it last yeah, week, we guys. About, yeah, we talked about it on the pod. If A&M could score enough points, because we knew – I mean, you knew Ole Miss would score. I don't think I thought they'd drop 330 in the first half on A&M. Yeah. All right. Uh, I tell you yeah. what. Let's get final thoughts. Anybody uh, want to throw it out there um, before we get out of here? I'm sorry if it wasn't like the super angry pod that I know everybody <laughs> wanted or the super drunk pod that well, everybody that's a, wanted. That's what I was just going to get into, Carrie. It's like I'm not I, – I don't necessarily think I'm mad as much as I am just kind of left like scratching my head wondering how how you can come out of a bye week and just be that unprepared from from top to bottom, from head coach down to uh, the last player on the field. Oh, and then the other thing, Gabe Burkich was awful today. I know. Yep. Misses Which... two kicks, and I thought the, the 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 biggest like mess up that he had wasn't the two field the goals. Kicking it out I of bounds. Yeah. Kicking out of bounds out of halftime. What are you doing? Is he somewhat indicative of where that whole team was? Because we've never seen Gabe Burkage that out of sorts. Yeah. Like, is he He's still like, the best kicker in the history of OU football? He just had a bad game. No, he did. He did, but that's bad. what I'm saying. Like, does that tell you something about where the whole team was if he was that far off? And that's, I think that's kind of my biggest takeaway from today is, is how? How does that happen? You go into a game with three regular season games left with basically everything in front of you. I just, how does that happen? I, and I, you know, they're college kids, whatever, but there's a, I think that there is a lot of, I don't know about finger pointing, but there are a lot of guys that just don't have answers down there right now. Alex Grinch doesn't have any answers for why they can't motivate this group. Lincoln Riley doesn't have any answers for, basically anything offensively right now and why they can't seemingly move the football. I don't know. It's just big picture. It kind of makes you wonder like what, what's going on down there really like behind the scenes, but we'll see. I'm going to tell you this. I, this is almost, almost think like I should just after this year is over, I should just write not a book, but, Maybe do a journal about what it's been like, kind of get an insight uh, with Isaiah Thomas about the team. Um, because here's the thing. Everything is always so secretive, and it's not like he's told me any information about um, you know, the dynamics of this or that, but it's just things I pick up on. But I think it. I, we always make this so much more complicated about, oh, it's a coach's job to get these guys ready, uh, and how are they not able to motivate this team to play? I don't think it's a whole lot different than any other job that, like, you, if you're out there listening, any company that you're working for or job that you have, there's other people that you work with. Uh, and some of the people you work with are really good at what they do, like, the best of the best. And there are other people that you work with 
that are just morale cancers and they're and they just don't give a shit and they're just there taking up space and getting their paycheck and going home. I think football teams are a lot like that. You have guys that just that that are really good. They could not work harder to be good at the job that they do. And then you have a lot of guys that, you know, hey, if they get to play, you know, maybe they'll that'll be good and uh you know, as long as I don't screw up, you know, and, and I'll keep my head down, uh, it, it, at least I'll still have this job next week. Like, that, I mean, that dynamic is the same on a football team as it is at anybody's isn't, job. Isn't that the CEO's responsibility? Like, I... It's I, really I, not. I, guess my- I mean, the CEO doesn't know all the time. Like, that's the thing. Like, people think, well, Lincoln Riley should individually know how to motivate every one of his players. You got to leave some of that to the position coaches. Like, yeah. And maybe the position coaches don't want to, you know, they, they don't have enough time with their CEO to tell them about uh, Ronnie, who uh, is frequently late for work. Like, the <laughs> CEO doesn't care about that. Like, he just cares about, yeah. are you, are, is your team producing? Like, are they getting it done? Are our sales figures good? Like, it's, it's, you, it's tough to put it all. I know that's, that's what we look at as sports. But, I mean, you think of all the stuff that Lincoln Riley does, 105, 115 people to manage, just players, then your staff, your recruiting staff, your athletic director, uh, you know, your coaches' shows, your, your press conferences. This company is bleeding money. We need somebody <laughs> to get fired. And it's been bleeding money for the last couple quarters. <laughs> Carrie, that kind of leads to the my two thoughts. First one is one that we talk about all the time. Okay, now you've got that loss. Maybe now you'll start to see some of the shakeups. Like you talked about, do they start looking at some yeah. guys? They start making some, you know, giving some opportunities. Look at, at at safety. I mean, like, okay, do we do we start letting Keyshawn Lawrence have some run there? Maybe Billy Bowman goes back to nickel. Like, do some different stuff, you know, whether it's – again, there's a million variables. Nickel, you, it could be Nickel anything. is one thing they really have to look at. But if I'm starting yep. anywhere, I'm starting on the offensive line. Yes. No, I, I, I think all is open. Like, whatever – I mean, because like you just said, the CEO has got to come in and talk to all of his lieutenants and say – Okay. How do we? What fix are this? your problems? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. How do we fix the problems in your areas? You know, and, and go from and, it that way. And you know what he says? He says, "I don't need to know the individual problems. I need you to fix it." So then that you know that position coach has to go to his position group and say, "You guys are not getting it done. We look bad. So changes have to be made." And that's when you fire Jerry or Ron or whoever I was talking about earlier. Yep. Everybody spots are on the table. Conversations have to be had in the tenth game of the year. Uh, guys, and and that's the other thing. Like, guys, it feels like a yeah, pardon the guy in this in this conversation with a kid. It feels like damn Scooby Doo. Like, oh, like we pulled the mask away and it's Mister. We knew who this team was. We friggin' <laughs> knew it. We told ourselves we didn't know. Maybe they were going to be different. We know who they are. It, it's Mister Jones at the you know the old haunted amusement park. Like they are a team that is just going to. I, we'll talk about this team for years to come. This is going to be one of those teams that were like, well, why weren't they better? Look at all these guys in the NFL. Look at all this. There's a lot of good talent here, and 
it just can't put it together. And I don't know if it's like what Kerry's talking about where guy, you know, your best players aren't motivated. I, I don't know what it is, but something is fundamentally wrong with this team. Like just to not to have that piss poor of a performance when you know what's in front of you, what's possible, and to have a week off, you're bought you like you're probably the healthiest you've been in a month. And that that's what you put on the field? You know, I there's to me, like you talk about that, like NFL players everywhere, uh, teams that maximize who they are. I think that's part of the problem too with this team is that they've switched quarterbacks, and I think Caleb Williams is a guy that can be like a baker eventually as a leader that brings everybody together. They clearly don't have the guy that can bring everybody together, the leadership on that side of the ball, and especially no. not on the offensive line because. No one's listening to them the way they're playing. I think I think that they could in time, but again, it's just it's hard for somebody like Caleb Williams to do it. He's a freshman, and especially on a night like tonight where he didn't play well, like he, everybody would look at him and say, "You're the reason we're having to have this conversation." Yeah, it, guys, it's almost an indictment of the team that Caleb Williams is able to be the leader at the level he is. No, it is. 100%. There should be, 100%. There should be seniors that are like, look, man, we respect you. You're going to be the guy. Now's not your time. But look who those seniors are. And I, I hate picking I, on them, but yep. it, that message can't come from Justin Broyles or Tony or uh, Patrick Fields. It just can't. But no. that's what we get told yeah. all the time is that that's what those guys are. and. You, right. you don't follow guys like that, guys. We all played sports. Like your best players are going to dictate the mood of your team, the the attitude right. of your team. Well, and I mean, look at this. Patrick what if Fields you're... could run for Congress one day? It's yes. that doesn't mean he should be a leader on the field. Yes. What was it? What was it? Okay, so this is what's interesting to me. Like, okay, so how many okays did I say right there? Uh, <laughs> Steal so my, hey, your, don't steal my shit, man. Your best players need to be your best leaders. There's only one, well, two team captains I can think of that match that description. And it might be... On the, it uh, might, like this team? Yes, and it might okay. be just one since Spencer Rattler's not even a starter yet he's a captain. So you might take have to take one away. Mm-hmm. And But it's Jeremiah Hall, who isn't really on the field all the time. And Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Everybody else is kind of sketchy, either in the, you know, playmaking department or, you know, just the just the overall position, like Rattler. <laughs> the other three starters, one got replaced. One, one, another people want to get replaced, <laughs> and the other one is in his eighth year of college. Like, come on. And he's done. Yeah. That's and, crazy. The, and that's the thing that's like, I love all those guys. Yep. But it's not the makeup of a, a, a great leadership group. No, it's guys. not. And it kind of makes sense now why, why things are so up and down with this team from game to game. But yeah. I will say this. The strangest thing about today is that OU did not blow like a 28-point lead and lose. Because <laughs> this is the first time in a long time that they just got beat uh, and they were down the majority of the game, and they couldn't get anything going offensively. Like, we've never seen I, that. I thought about that during the uh, third quarter, Kerry. It was like, 
it was one of, and that's why I don't think that I'm like necessarily mad. It's like, how can you be mad about a game that they just got beat? Like they got beat in every phase of the game. And sometimes you just tip your hat and say like, yeah, they like, they just, what, what angers you is, is how the, like the process of them getting beat. Not the fact that they actually got their ass whooped. Yeah. I think we got out some good aggression there in the end. I think we finally yeah. had our bad pod. The, guys, you just look down the senior list of players. Other than Isaiah the, the, and Mike Woods, a transfer well, and, and the example, too, is Nick is one of your best players, but he's not a, he's not a vocal guy. I think yep. even Jamar Cain was asked about that right. this week, and he kind of laughed. He was like, oh, no, he's not, he's not going to speak up about anything. He's very quiet. And he's the one that has the bust on the 75-yard run. I mean... It is what it is. Yeah. yeah. And it is. Like, you yeah. look toward next year. Like, we talk about the talent for next year. Who's that guy next year? I mean, Caleb obviously will take on a bigger role, but, like, it can't be just him. Like, where are the Orlando Browns, the, you know, those guys that are going to check people yeah. and make sure everybody's on the right path? Like, I, I, I mean, I they may be there, be but I don't see them. Who's that? I think Rain can be that type of guy before, but he has to take care of himself first and foremost. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. you hear some of the stuff off the field and like maybe being late to meetings. That's why he didn't start last week against Tech. It's like the personal foul he had today gotta, on the on the extra point, or was it? How the, do you have a personal foul on an extra point? Because he hit a guy late, like <laughs> I mean, way after the kick had gone through the uprights. <laughs> like, come on, man. And I mean, that was so indicative of today, guys. Like there was just guys that I know are not stupid football players doing stupid shit. Yeah. I mean, what was it? I mean, we saw Matt Diamond get kicked out of a game on that field, and they, oh. that they still won, like in a crucial key moment. <laughs> Work it out there, Eddie. Excuse me. Anyway, um, and by the way, here's my other gripe about the offensive line, and I, I've been meaning to bring this up, and now it's like since we're when since this is the airing of grievances, like how is it if if everything's going okay with the offensive line, how is it that Creed Humphrey seemed to have such a down year last year, and he's been great other than a few snaps here and there, uh, like one of the bright spots on the offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs this year. I. Again, I don't think much of PFF work, PFF's work in college, but their NFL stuff's not bad. And they've got him as the best center in football. <laughs> uh, how does that happen? Like, I, and I'm with you. Like, there are, I, and I'm a huge Bill Biedenboe fan. I've been a, like, I've been a believer in what are. he brought yeah. to the table since he got there. But man, you just can't something's keep running out wrong. units like this. Yeah. Something's something, wrong. Something's, something's just not right. I agree. It's weird. All right, guys. Uh, Eddie, I'll let you, we'll let you go. We'll get out of here. We'll end it before you hit another rough patch. But, uh, yeah, Sooners lose. We don't say that often, but it happened this week. Uh, they move on. Iowa State coming to town next week. And you know what? Brock Purdy actually played pretty well tonight. Let him back, and then Texas Tech just hit a miracle 62-yard field goal. Actually, it wasn't really a miracle because that could have been like a 68-yard field goal. That guy nailed it. Uh, Garaby, I think. 
tech radio call is pretty good if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. I, I can imagine Level just loses his mind. Um, it, it's the play-by-play guy that like does a couple of shrieks and yells. It, it's definitely 10 out of 10. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it. Uh, we will be back again next week after the Iowa State game where hopefully everyone's in a better mood and starting to feel like the future is could actually happen and we don't all just need to fall off of a cliff so um like you said i'm not trying to pump any sunshine here but okay i'm gonna shut up i'm not even gonna finish that sentence (laughs) just drown your sorrows in some beer or whiskey and go to work on monday and hopefully you're not that hungover that's my wish for all you listen get bob home safe eddie Yes, don't drive off into the guardrail. We won't. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to uh, Eskridge Lexus uh, for always uh, sponsoring the uh, post-game podcast. And we'll see you guys back here next week for another edition of the Eskridge Lexus post-game podcast from Soonerscoop.com.